Hello, welcome to Flow with Flow, a contemporary dance podcast speaking to performers, choreographers and everybody in between. You can find more information on the Instagram, flow with a W underscore WT underscore flow underscore. There'll also be a link to the website and YouTube for filmed episodes. I really hope you enjoy and I will now hand over to Flow in... So, do you want to talk a little bit about Dance Art Journal, just to start? Yeah, yeah so, um, yeah, so we are like an independent dance magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were founded um, a few years ago now, which is mental because I keep thinking that we've only just been doing it for like a year, yeah. but it's been like four years. Um, so we basically write about the work of early career, uh, well, all, all careers really, independent makers, small organisations, um, I think a lot of like the mainstream press will focus on like the big companies and like the mm. big names. So I think that we, yeah, really focus on um, amplifying the voices and providing discourse around the work of like independent makers and smaller smaller organisations mm. and companies. Um, and that is something that happened quite sort of unintentionally because I started it just as like a blog for myself because Mm -hmm. I've done Resolution Review which is a dance writing program that sits alongside the Places Resolution Festival Um, and towards the end of that just there weren't really any opportunities and I've done been published in other magazines and that sort of didn't ever lead to anything else so I was just like well I'm just gonna start a blog and then went to see loads of dance shows and in places like Trinity Laban, the Gulbenkian pronounce yeah. that in Canterbury um, the Coronet so really small smallish sort of theatres sort of based in and around London and Kent where I'm from and then I think a lot of like dance PRs and the organisations were like oh like this is great like because it's really hard to get mm-hmm. and to secure reviews and interviews because like dance writing and journalism is sort of diminishing unfortunately um, so yeah they were like oh this is great and then it just more people wanted to join um, and yeah it's it really snowballed from there and um, as well as sort of like being a, a magazine we also run like events or we run like dance writing workshops so we've done those for like a couple of places like Two-Faced Dance, Siobhan Davis Studios, um, for Stretch which is Diagon Dance's um, conference um, yeah, we was part of like the Roundhouses Accelerator Programme, which is basically where um, uh, creative businesses can just get loads of advice. It's like a programme. So that was really, really great. And the Roundhouse has also been very supportive of our work, which is amazing. Um, so, yeah, and we're just looking to continue to grow. At the minute, like, we are all, you know, doing full-time stuff. Um, so it... Dance Surgeon was like a quite big sort of like labour of love side hustle kind of thing. Um, But hopefully at some point we will (laughs) be funded. Yeah, it'll happen. It's a struggle. So um, we're talking a little bit before just about how it's set up. So who's within it, how many writers. 
you'll work full-time jobs and then do this on the side yeah and it's all volunteer based yeah so we do get um some sort of like commissions from dance organizations but they are sort of few and far between so like dance like um, organizations might say oh can you come and write about this artist because they're showing work in this season um or uh yeah so so we get those but they're sort of like happen like two or three times a year if that um which is it's really hard um and because we can't really ask money or ask people, ask independent makers to give us money. If they are, for instance, like working on, if they've got like Arts Council funded money and they've put money aside for like PR, they can take that out of mm-hmm. um, their project fee. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, we're in a bit of a, it's a bit, it's really, really hard like to, to make money from it because it, we're, we're very, very niche. Um, but yeah, we just try and keep going. So there's myself. Um, there's like seven sort of like core team members. Mm-hmm. So there's myself. Um, there's um, Angel Dust and Stella Rausham, who um, at the minute um, we are probably the ones like most in- involved. Mm-hmm. But that's just because other people do different things, um, and because it's all voluntary. Like I just we don't really put pressure on each other. So people sort of like do stuff as and mm-hmm. when they can. Uh, there's Ines Carvalho, uh, there's Giordana Petumi, um, Maxine, um, Flash of the Zunes. I don't know if I pronounced Maxine's name right or wrong. Sorry, Maxine. Sorry. Love you. Forget it, Maxine. <laughs> Sorry, Maxine. <laughs> um, there's Adam um, Moore um, and Sophie Chenner. Um, and then we also have like our wonderful guest writers, so like Sarah, Francesca. Um, there's like, so many. Um, and we've also just done our guest writers like program, which is our first arts council funded um, initiative, um, and that went really really well. Um, we said that we wanted to um, basically like diversify the dance mm-hmm. journalism field. Um, so like half of the people, or like yeah, fifty to sixty percent of those who took part um, in the course, the program were from outside of London or from like intersectional backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So that was really, really great. And then we had like Dance Journal team members and guest writers. So uh, Paula and Maxine, they did like a workshop. Adam did a workshop. Um, yeah, we got, we got our sort of team involved in, in running the workshops, which was really great. So yeah. That's really nice. And we also spoke a little bit about how it came to be mm-hmm. that you were a dance writing about dance because there's so many things you can go into because you did a degree in writing yeah so i studied at goldsmiths um i graduated in 2015 which is like such a long time ago now um but it yeah it, it was i mean i didn't realize that goldsmiths had it's like had the reputation it had mm-hmm. because i i'm i'm like from sort of like northwest kent and like Goldsmiths is like a half an hour drive. So I literally, I wanted to stay at home. So I was like, mm, Goldsmiths is the closest university. It does English, it's pretty good. I'm just gonna go there and see what happens. <laughs> Cause yeah, I was like that or Canterbury and Canterbury was a bit further away. Um, and I wasn't clever enough for like Queen Mary or UCL. Um, so I went to Goldsmiths and like had an amazing time. Um, up until that point, I'd like only really done I did like my R.E.D. and I.S.T.D. exams, um, 
and that was really really amazing I think my parents I grew up sort of I think the recession was in 2008 so I was like 14 and my dad is a carpenter and it was really difficult around that time because like the construction industry got hit so badly so it was really difficult but my parents bless their heart went without a lot of things so I could continue to do dancing um, so yeah I'm very grateful for them that they continue to like make sure I had my yeah paid for like my exams and all that sort of thing um, so yeah but I didn't know about the contemporary yeah. dance industry so I, until like 24 so there's like that chunk of time between 18 and 24 where I was I, I went to goldsmiths um, I was very fortunate enough to like do a masters um, and I was like working all through that time in restaurants and stuff um, but and I also did classes at Trinity Melbourne so that's when I was like starting to be like oh like there's a contemporary dance industry but yeah I didn't really know about it until I was like 24 when I did um, the next choreography uh, course at Siobhan Davis Studios um, which was really amazing it was at that point it was facilitated by Oro Bell and uh, Nancy Roberts who inspired me greatly um, and yeah it was it kind of put me on the path to discovering the dance industry it was just I had no idea it existed at all um, and I was like at 24 I was a bit like oh I was a bit like oh damn like why <laughs> I felt a bit not hard done by but I was like oh my god like I could have known about this a lot this earlier been here and I didn't know and why do you think you didn't know about the industry do you think it's mm -hmm. like the lack of talk yeah I think we were talking about it earlier weren't we so I think that I think that there's so you have like mainstream dance, right? Mm -hmm. So like ballet and strictly come dancing. <laughs> I think that a lot of the contemporary dance, it, 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 it isn't the mainstream and I think that that's brilliant and I think that it needs to sort of stay that way because for it to be on the mainstream, it will probably need to change and I, I don't mm -hmm. think it should. Um, that's not to say that it shouldn't be like on Saturday night television at sort of peak time, like it can, but I, I, I'm like, there's, I don't know, it kind of, I don't know if it would need to change to meet those kind of, what those audiences want from like a mainstream point of view. Um, so, yeah, basically yeah. I think that there is a lot of like beautiful things about the fact mm -hmm. that the contemporary dance sector does feel like it's not the mainstream because I think that we, that the dance work can say and do a lot of wonderful things that if it was in a mainstream space it probably couldn't I don't think it could be perhaps quite as bold I might be wrong but that's just my sort of feeling but then on the flip side I do understand that to change perceptions and to change how mainstream audiences think they need to see that stuff mm -hmm. so there's two sides to it but in terms of so yeah so but in terms of like how why I didn't perhaps know about the contemporary dance scene was because I was part of that mainstream audience um, I only really sort of like, it was just ballet and The Lion King and musicals um, and so I think that the access route into contemporary dance needs to be a lot better, um, but yeah, and whether that is people coming into like secondary schools, um, so dance companies, I'm sure they do do that but yeah, I didn't experience that unfortunately, Yeah, which was a bit 
And there's something yeah. about like um, if dance isn't like more in the mainstream, how do we find the funding? Yeah. Out of like, how can we find the funding for the independent artists, the companies, the journals, all of this, if it's not in the mainstream body of that? If that well, makes sense. Yeah, it's very true. So, um, I mentioned a bit earlier that I took part in the Roundhouses Accelerator program. Um, yeah, which was basically like a, it's a brilliant twelve-week course where you can develop your creative business. Um, so the people that took part in that, they're brilliant people. Like um, one of them was um, Zaini, who runs British Asian Women's Magazine. Um, she's like one of the few people that run an Asia, a, a magazine dedicated to Asian women. Um, and then like there were different, lots of different um, brilliant uh, businesses on that program. And I remember. Because at the end you have to pitch your business, which I come into that program being like I cannot public speak for the life of me, and I and at the end I was sort of like I'm okay at public speaking, like I can you know I think as long as I can actually, dabble, I can dabble, and yeah. I think as long as you're talking about something that you're passionate about, yeah, yeah, it's a bit easier. But I remember um, we actually had to present in front of one of the people was like the CEO of Spotify, no managing director of Spotify. And he was like, why don't you try, um, like, TikTok dance um, or raising the profile of, like, dance through TikTok? And I was just a bit like... Because I think that their sort of feeling was, yeah, we didn't know about contemporary dance. We'd, yeah, we didn't know this. This is great. Um, and, yeah, I think that, that just those people working in the creative sectors not knowing about contemporary dance... But, yeah. And then, but the funding at the minute is there's so much pressure on the Arts Council and we're all fighting for the same pot of money. And I think that the problem is, is that, that yes, the contem contemporary dance does need to work on its perception in the mainstream, maybe for more people to be like, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe we should fund that. More funding bodies to be like outside of um, dance to be like, maybe we should fund that or... Yeah. I don't know, it's, it's, hard, it's difficult. And you're right, it's not very accessible at all. Um, and I don't know if writing's quite similar, and journalism? Mm. Yeah, it's not very accessible. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think when I was sort of... I was saying to you earlier, like, a core memory for me was being 14. I was actually on my mum and, dad, mum and dad's computer, um, and it was a a bad computer because my dad is a carpenter and he doesn't know how to use a computer and my mum it was just like it was like what that was like 2008 it was a long time ago actually um and i was like googling like dance writing dance journalism opportunities and i think only the guardian come up and dancing times which was a great publication and sadly had to close last year because it wasn't it wasn't financially viable anymore that was really um sad um, so that's kind of where I discovered it. But I d you're 14, at 14 you're like, oh, I want to do this, oh, I want to do that, I want to do this, I want to do that. So I didn't really think anything of it. But in terms of actually like, get access into journalism is like really, really difficult. I think I grew up watching all that, the films where it was like, what's it called, was that 10 Things Hate? No, uh, what's the one with Kate Hudson? 
How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, Confessions of a Shopholic. I love. Oh uh, my! They're they're all like high flying journalism girlies. Yeah. And I think maybe that created a demand. I don't know. I'm not an economist or whatever. Um, they were good films. Though. They were great films. But it kind of like that was like the. I don't know, like the benchmark of like being a su successful, but how to get to that point? It was just, yeah. it's just not very accessible, and I think that you have to do like a lot of unpaid internships, which I couldn't do. Like, um, I've, from sort of eighteen, I was actually a bit earlier. I've worked in like restaurants and stuff, or um, like local village halls. I think I worked, yeah, helping out for like doing food bits. So I've like. It, is I can't do like a, a an internship Monday to Friday. That has changed. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of internships now, rightly so, like are paid and like culturally and it's it's very, very different. But yeah, you you would just have to do an unpaid internship for quite a long time. Um, or know someone in the industry mm -hmm. because I think journalism is something like eighty percent of people who work in journalism come from like upper class backgrounds. And that was a study done last year, and I'm pretty sure that the study that was done, it was done by the NCTJ, I think I might have got that acronym wrong, but it's basically like the national kind of journalism thing for the UK, it's where you get all that, that's where the training is. Um, and I think the, the previous study, which was maybe done in like 2016 or 2017, there had been a 72% increase. So it has not better, it's got worse, which is rubbish. Um, so access into journalism is just like a, a big a big issue in terms of like socioeconomic background because you can't like you've got to you've got to live you can't just go and do unpaid stuff for forever and I think that there's a lot of nepotism in journalism as well yeah and just going on from that like talking about not being able to do unpaid things but then also this journal is voluntary like how did how do you manage that how did that um, happen. And also, where do you find the motivation, or maybe not motivation, but like the ability to keep going when you know that it's like something that's taking up? Yeah, so I think that we're like, so at the minute, so our project grant that we got, that was for six months activity, and that was paid, but that doesn't support our actual year-round activity, mm -hmm. that was just a project. Um, I think... I'm just always, I don't put pressure on the writers, I don't put pressure on, I put pressure on myself. I don't put pressure on the team or writers to deliver something by certain days. So basically there is this sort of like rule in dance criticism. I prefer to use the term like dance writing, dance criticism just feels a bit like it's just about reviews and dance journalism and writing is actually, it, it, it's a lot more, it's just way more things like this could be dance journalism, yeah. do you know what I mean, a podcast. Um, I don't put pressure on um, the writers like to, to deliver something by a certain time because I think, yeah, there is this rule within journalism that you kind of, you go to see a performance, you stay up all night and you submit your 300 to 500 word review at 9am the next day. That's what happens when you get paid. Um, not paid very well actually by big theatre publications, like the pay is bad, it's not good. I mean, it's still something, but for like the readership and for the status of these publications, it's not great. 
Maybe because they're also struggling. Like it's a hard time for media generally. You only have to look at the fact that Gowden has gone, which is a travesty, to be honest. Um, because they've provided such an important discourse around, um, pe you know, people of colour and writers of colour. Um, but just going back to um, what I was saying. Yeah. So there's basically there's this rule that you have to like submit a review like a day after, which is great if you know you're being paid. But if you're not, it's kind of like. Mm, you might have a job to go to the next day, you might have like caring responsibilities, you might have other shit to do, you might be tired because if your body, you need to listen to your body. So generally I just don't sort of like put time pressures on people to deliver it by then. Um, and I think that, you know, if, but then also I have to be sensitive to the fact that of, of the artists showing their work, because they have given us a ticket to go and see that performance. Um, so it's not like we take like months, like we'll publish something within a couple of weeks. I think that I, if there is a run, so if there's sort of like a, 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 yeah, a run, a few days, a week, then we try and publish it within that because that's when you could, that's when people might read the review and be like, I'm going to go and see it. So I did that for Sam's Burkitt's work, um, that I went to see last week, You're Alright, it was called, at Camden Fringe, like I published it like the day after um, because I was like oh it's a run I, and I can get it done um, but yeah I just don't put pressure on the writers but then I do see I did see something on Twitter I think it might have been either maybe a, a, someone from an organization or a producer saying that oh would we give you a free ticket like we need it done by the day after and it's like I get that a hundred percent but then the amount of like labor that actually goes into a writing a review is it's like an extra I mean, three to four hours is like quick, in my opinion. It can take longer, and it's just like maybe they didn't have that awareness, maybe they were really frustrated, and I get that 100%. But I don't know, I just try to be like very understanding and kind with the writers. If they can get it to me two days a day, three days after, that's fine. But if they do need a bit more time, that's also fine. And also, on a real note, like. I'm just so busy, like, I don't have time to, like, always yeah. chase them and be like, you know, so... I mean, it's incredible what you've built with how little time you must have to build it in, like... Yeah, but it has got to the point now where... Uh, and this is why we've put in another sort of mm. application for our year-round activity, and that will also enable us to explore other sort of, like, funding options, because it's just, like, yeah, this has been going for, sort of, four years, and it's... Yeah, it they need it needs not to that sustainable. Change. Yeah, and it's not sustainable, and it is. You know, I'm at a sort of an age now where <clears throat> my life is sort of like changing, and yeah, yeah I just yeah I can't. It's can't not becoming. Work, it's, I mean, it never was sustainable, but it's it's becoming. Yes. Yeah, no, yeah. Is there like a donations or anything like that that yes. you? So yeah, I must like say. Um, like the names of like the guest writers who did like the pilot project in the year one. So that's Francesca, Sarah, um, I think Maria and Elena didn't take part in the guest writers but contributes. There's Hannah, um, I think maybe like I'll write a list and then yeah. maybe you can like put it on the screen. Yeah, I'll put it on the screen because <laughs> I'm not saying people. their second names either. No, that's okay. Um, but I think that what 
we might get into the habit now more regularly is like after sort of like every um, piece, so Paula's going to do one, um, she uh, attended the Spanish version of the Dancing with, Dancing with Decolonization um, event. Um, just put like a button at the, like a call to action at the bottom being like donate yeah. and then that will go to the writer and just to see the, how that happens but we do have, we do have a PayPal but we do have a Patreon um, so um, we've got, and if you're a dance our journal Patreon you know you can get a cute postcard, you know you can rest in the knowledge that you're supporting independent dance, Yay. Um, an independent dance magazine um, you can also get access to um, uh, the workshops that took that we did um, for our guest writers uh, program, um, and there were some brilliant facilitators for that. Um, some really really great artists. And how much is the Patreon? How do people? So it starts at it? one pound. Oh come on! And you get a cute postcard that we made on our like we did a residency a couple of years ago. Okay. At Sean Davis Studios that really like sort of like dug into yeah. dance writing and. It was quite experimental, it was really cool. So yeah, you can get a postcard and then you can get workshops and then you can get um, opinion pieces that are only available to uh, to patrons. But I, yeah, so yeah, please check it out. Check it out. <laughs> put, put the link below. Yeah. Link below, if I can work out to So I we will, have, I'll make sure. I yeah, so we have, we have followed like a similar model to like White Cube. Yeah. Um, so White Cube, I think that they've got a really great patron, Patreon account. Um, and then they also get commissions from organisations or different sort of mag other sort of art magazines, and I think they do. I think they do like a column in Elephant Magazine, which is a um, an art magazine. Um, so it's yeah. so important for businesses. I don't know groups like you to stay, stay running. So please let's please. do the Patreon because it, it's already diminishing dance journalism. Yeah, so the Dancing Times closed last year, and that was like Britain's oldest monthly magazine from like 1910. It was really old. That's Dance, quite old. It was really 1910. old. They only, they didn't really, they only really focused on, like their bag was like ballet. Yeah, I can picture it. Yeah. They, they if you're in 1910, you're not looking at Yeah, they did their, you know, they did their thing and they did it really well. And it was just, it just shut because of money. Um, and then a few years ago, um, there was this really great independent dance magazine called Belly Flop, mm -hmm. um, which, yeah, definitely, I think it's still online, you can still read some of the articles. Um, I think it might have, I don't know quite when it finished, but it was like maybe 20, I think I saw an issue from sort of 2010, um, but I would sort of definitely check that out. I don't think that that, I'm not too sure why that stopped. I think that that was just, it. maybe people ended up doing different things, which is kind of what happens. Um, but yeah, it is, it's really difficult. Um, and like, you can go on sort of love and, and energy, but you do, I have burnt out a couple of times. Yeah, I can imagine, especially working. What's your uh, full-time job if you don't I work in I work in PR for a dance organisation. Okay, nice. So you're very in the industry. Yeah, right? and it's uh, that. I mean, I've I was at the place last year, which was really really great. I was maternity cover doing press there, and now um, I'm in a, I'm in a different organisation, um, and it does because that's where we get our mm -hmm. the marketing departments. That's where we all sort of get our commissions from. So it's been really interesting to see 
yeah how yeah. they because if a if a, if a, a dance organization is going to support an independent magazine it'll either be through sort of sponsored content or through sort of dance writing workshops so it has been interesting to see how organizations work and the decisions that are made yeah it's quite yeah it's interesting you see in the machine you do get to see in the machine yeah and then <laughs> a little bit about maybe like like the relationship we were talking a little bit about the relationship between independent dance artists and the critics oh yeah um how long have we got so uh, a couple of years ago myself and rachel elderkin who um is a uh, a dance writer dramaturg dramaturg i can never say it right um and um also runs her own podcast so dance dialogues um, we uh, there was we did an event. It was part of a uh, web race micro commission from Siobhan Davis Studios. Um, it was three months after pandemic, so it was very much. I think it was uh, like a commission designed to support like online practice and, and and activity. And we sort of like put our heads together and were like, okay, we've got these independent platforms. How can we support the work of independent makers? Because at that point. Um, uh, we was at Dance Art Journal was doing like a was we share a lot of uh, if we can't write about the work of independent makers we share a lot of their sort of posts on Instagram so you know if we don't have time to or we can't find a writer because they can't make it then we I will always say that I'll try and post it on the story to you know just I try we just try and do whatever we can yeah. to help <laughs> um, so uh, yeah so we were thinking me and Rachel were thinking okay how can our platforms support independent makers because there is a huge difference between supporting the work of independent makers versus bigger companies it's mm -hmm. so it's so different and equally there's a lot of difference between independent platforms like dance art journal like this podcast and like rachel's podcast compared to big dance big magazines like i think there's point magazine and dance magazine in the us which is owned by a a media corporation so they're very very different models um so yeah we had come up with this idea and then put out the invite and it sold out i didn't expect it to didn't ex we just thought sort of 20 people would turn up but there was like a group of over 50 people which was brilliant and it was very much for artists but a lot of the broadsheet journalists and critics came along which i didn't expect and neither did rachel um, and neither did we sort of maybe sort of in our ignorance expect um, or anticipate that this might be the first opportunity where artists and critics have been in the same room together, same online space. Um, so I feel like there was a lot of stuff to like air out. <laughs> um, Sounds a bit tense. It was quite tense. It was really awesome and people found it really, really great and if people wanted to read there's like a document that we made at the end with people's contributions that were made during the event on our website. It's called How Can Independent Dance Artists and Independent Dance Platforms Support Work and Independent Makers. Um, so that's there, but it was very much it definitely there was a lot to like air out, mainly in terms of the fact that, you know, a a, a review that's done, a one night stand review they were calling it just doesn't give space to talk about an artist's like body of work, all of the labour that went into the work. It just, it's sort of 300 words. 
-hmm. and also it's just like one person's opinion on that work and then that kind of exists in a public online realm um, and for an independent maker that might be the only thing that they have written about their work and it's just like okay well how can we what can we do to create more of a dialogue and discourse around an artist and not just one show their actual body of work and maybe the labour that went into that work so then we were talking about the stuff that we've done prior previously like we've gone into the studio during a residency and written a, and documented that process like these sort of interviews where you can chat and discuss a lot more things than just a review reviews are great and they serve an important purpose 100% and they are really important to getting like securing funding even securing visas like they are really really important and necessary but not putting so much precedence on reviews basically or seeing dance writing as just reviews mm -hmm. and then there was also quite a big thing about just the lack of um, writers of colour in in the industry um, it's it's an ongoing and a, like, a big issue and sort of what I was going back to the fact that um, journalism is just yeah not accessible um, so yeah and there were there was lots of other things that we spoke about and it is a really uh, important document if you are interested in dance writing yeah, and also if you are an independent it. makers I can maybe send you the link yeah perfect um, but it will be down the down down oh. below <laughs> down the below, down the below with the other names and things um, so yeah uh, it was uh, yeah, it was a really, really yeah. good and productive event, but there was some. It, it was quite tense. It sounds. It sounds quite heated. It was a bit heated. A bit. Yeah, there was sort of. I don't. I think that criticism. You know. How do I sort of say? <laughs> I think that some critics kind of get carried away with like their own sort of voice. Okay. And yeah. they make it more about. Yeah, mm -hmm. rather than the actual, the, rather than the artist's mm -hmm. work, and I think that some of the language that was used, uh, especially talking about writers of colour, is really just not on. Like, mm -hmm. actually, I remember reading a review. I think it was it was it was a um, uh, one of the broadsheets had done a review of Joseph Tunga's um, work, and the way they'd spoken about Joseph Tunga was uh, disgusting. It was just bad. Like, it was horrible. Like it was just awful. And it needs to change. Like and this, uh, the writer was white. Um, and we need things like dance art journal to stay alive, so it can have change. So it's not just these people that have the accessibility to be able to run the industry and then everyone else. <laughs> so you do dance art journal work full time yeah and then other than that like creatively what yeah. other things are you sort of interested in because i know we've spoken a little bit about different ways that creativity comes out yeah so i think that something that um one of my mentors tina ramdine who works at the roundhouse tina is a babe i bloody love that woman she said to me like you, you don't you are separate to dance art journal you, you know that so and as well as your baby, yeah, hundred percent. Like, like you, you don't, you don't, you, you're the same thing. But people, sort of, who look on our Instagram or go on our website, don't see that. They don't see my face. Like, ah. <laughs> but that's to me. Like, I just, it's we're sort of inextricable. Is that the right word? I think so. We're just connected, intertwined. Yeah, intertwined. Like, do you know what I mean? So, and 
I think that I, I'd hope, I hope that the magazine is around for a bloody long time, but I want it to go on without me, you know? Mm -hmm. So then I'm also like thinking just about like where I'm in my life at the minute and I am sort of interested in developing my sort of artistic practice a bit more because I feel like I, I think we were talking about how for a long time I kind of didn't want, not didn't want to, but didn't feel like I could um, choreograph because I don't feel like I had anything to say and I feel like maybe that's just me being really insecure but I didn't want to like put anything out into the world unless I really really believed in it or if it like come from me because that's, that's just my how I felt about it basically and I feel like I've arrived at a point where I feel like I could potentially make work um, I think it has been influenced not yeah, influenced or I've seen other people in the industry do that I think Eve Staten um, who's a great artist they do, they incorporate a lot of welding into their work and their work is a lot about class as well. Um, and actually we're going to, it's over there, we're going to uh, Woolwich uh, after this because there's the Working Class Creators Database which I would really recommend people, as well as, as, well as sign up to our Patreon, uh, Patreon, I would really recommend you checking out Working Class Creators Database. Yeah. Um, They've got a uh, exhibition at set 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 set. That's what it's called, Woolwich. <laughs> I think it's just called set, but their Instagram set, is set 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 set, 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 set. Woolwich. Yeah. Um, I think we should just call it that though. Yeah, set 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 set, 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 set Woolwich. Yeah. Um, they've got an exhibition called Gathering, and um, I'm just really intrigued to go and see some of the, see some of the stuff because I was just on their Instagram and saw that there was an artist there that's written a lot about um, not written. God, I'm so like into in the journaling. Yeah. Um, that's created a piece of work about um, her dad as a um, construct. Uh, I don't know what area of construction, but as a construction worker mm -hmm. and the precarity of of that work, um, and I'm interested in that kind of that that because that's my like family history. Like I think my grand was it my granddad, my granddad or my great granddad. They I mean this was obviously like the 1920s, but they used to toss a coin. And it depends on if you've got heads or tails. If you've got heads, you'd have a job. If you've got tails, you wouldn't get, you wouldn't work. But this is like proper, like sort of like, yeah. East, like yeah, working yeah, at yeah. the docks. But yeah. It's an and easy way of working that out. Yeah, but if you can drink them. But it's like, can you imagine if they did that nowadays? Oh, that's so bad. Yeah, that's 50% chance to 50%. me. That's better than what we've that, 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 think about Okay, like that. that's true. <laughs> okay, we just toss a, toss a coin there. Um, so I'm just quite interested in ex exploring that a bit more and getting into that and yeah, I'm interested in it. I don't know what will happen but I'm interested in it and That's exciting. I'm also very interested in um, my home. I think it's actually quite connected to like family and hometown. Um, I'm quite interested in um, uh, kind of getting more involved in like arts activity and like where I'm from, um, which is don't stop me, I'm not what you would, um, which is like Grosend. End, uh, yeah. and there's, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very interested in, because there's not a lot of activity around yeah. there, there's little to nothing, um, there is Loop Dance Company in the Brook Theatre in Chatham, and they, and other sort of 
arts organisations in Medway, which is great, but in Gresham there's not a lot. Hit me up if there is, Gresham people, Gresham people. Um, but there is a new garden city, um, Ebsleet, which has been created, that's sort of like over 10 years old now, but they're putting in like a public art um, initiative and strategy, strategy at the minute, and I literally spent like an hour <laughs> completing the survey because I was like, no, you need to make sure that this art is for the community and you're not getting, mm -hmm. and you need to make sure that the art is just not just one discipline, but it's like multiple and it really works with the community. So, yeah, maybe that. Not fully formed, but yeah. It's quite nice being able to jump in something new, though, if you've done this for a little while now. Yeah, I mean, I know you've got like a lot of um, early career yeah. listeners. Just do it. Just like be fearless because I definitely have felt less fearless as I've got a bit older. <laughs> I do second guess things a lot more. Whereas, yeah, if you just want to do, if you've got, if you if you don't want to do something, just do it. But I know that we all face our own kind of barriers and, but if you can like find a, like a way to just try it and, because. I've also sort of realised that we can get, I can really get stuck in my own head about a lot of things and sometimes like, oh this is going to sound so cliche, sometimes the barrier is just yourself. I mean it is people cliche face, but the truth. People face sort of like financial and, and that's a separate part but just in terms of our own little heads sometimes it's just yourself. Mm -hmm. But there are obviously loads of other barriers, maybe, that, maybe I didn't phrase that correctly. No I, no I think it, yeah, no I completely get what you mean, there's lots of barriers that there are lots of true barriers, including the ones in your head, but a lot of them you can work on internally. They don't yeah. rely on outside resources For sure. yeah. to break down. And a lot of them do rely on outside resources. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. It's amazing. And anything else we need to cover before we... So the usual thing I do at the end is also quite cliche, but advice for people coming into the industry. Mm -hmm. Into the industry in any way. I spoke to, do you know Ellie Wells? Yeah. About, Photography. yeah. Photography, <laughs> journalism, dancing, <laughs> everyone's different advice. Yeah, yeah. Because that was good. No, yeah. I like that, that's the no. I really only dance when I'm drunk now, which is really bad, so I do want to go to more classes. Oh, or just get drunk and then go to classes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, I don't condone that. <laughs> okay, yeah, so any advice? It's hard. It's hard because I, and everyone, everybody is so different. I guess I can only just go with like what I feel and then maybe people might, um, it might resonate with other people and other people it might not. But yeah, just be yourself. Um, and always give time to maybe reflect on like who you are. I think reflection is so important. Um, don't be afraid to like put yourself in, uh, and this is probably just like in a professional kind of capacity. Don't be afraid to like put yourself in those sort of situations because I can guarantee you everybody else is feeling that way or has felt that way before. Um, trust, trust your gut and your instincts. That feels like a cliche, but I always trust my, my belly. Um, and yeah, just be fearless. Yeah. Beautiful. I think it's I think it's important advice even if it is cliche or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And also like if you if there are things that um 
Don't be afraid to like disagree with people either, yeah. and just yeah, fuck off. And be a bit disruptive because we have been dis- Dark Side Journal has been disruptive, and that's where the change starts. Woo, <laughs> woo, keep being disruptive. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think once again, these sofas are really too comfy, really sinky. Too comfy. It's like it's like you're slowly like oh, a bit too comfy maybe, a little bit too cosy. Okay, I think we should wrap up there. Thank you, Flo, as well. This is an amazing podcast. When I saw it on Instagram, I was like, it's it's great. It's so important. You know, you're contributing like no one actually know. You're providing important like dialogue around contemporary dance. So yeah. And you too. Thank you. So before we wrap up, I will say that. Dance journalism, like we spoke about, is is diminishing a little bit, and sort of companies like yourself that, you know, um, bring to light people that don't get a huge amount of coverage, for whatever reason, are so important to our industry, and so important for independent makers like us, and so, um, just so we can all like support something like that, you know, like the Patreon's one pound, things like that, just to make sure it keeps going, because mm. we're losing. We're losing different yeah. things quite quickly, so and if, yeah. And if people can't, you know, I know it's it's a really hard time for everybody right now. Just read our stuff and get and engage in in that kind of way. You know, yeah. So. Every little helps. It does. It does. And also, they're brilliant articles. Oh, thanks. So, so have a look. Right. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>